Engine 1, Engine 4, Truck 2, Truck 10, Ambulance 82, Battalion 2, Fire 1020 North Main, help is on the way. Okay, we're back. Before we get started, we wanted to thank our sponsors. This episode brought to you by Zoll, EMS and Fire, Sports and Ortho, and Genesis, and Illuminated Brew Works. And the Frontline Team. And especially the Frontline Team. <laughs> uh, so, so, Rick, where were we? You're at Truck 21 now, right? Yeah, I uh, just came out with uh, Bob O'Toole, and um, he was on the engine. I was on a truck. And uh, Rudy Schleck was my first officer. He was the lieutenant there. Okay. We, off the air, we were kind of talking about some memorable things that you've done. And where do you guys want to start? You want to start with the church? Oh, that was later uh, on? Ask about the I church. mean, as, as, so you're on, you're, you're on, is there anything notable um, that you could recall? I know we talked a little bit about your first day, but anything notable you could recall super early in on your career? Yeah. Um, like I say, Brand new out of the box, so, yeah. but it was... And no family on, you have no experience. No, no, yeah. nothing like that, but it, working with these guys, uh, Rudy Schleck, for instance, you know, he was a United States Marine, um, working with Stash, you know, driving the truck, um, you know, working with the whole crew at uh, 83's house, um, you know, we and where, were... where's this house? Yeah. Uh, it's on Racine okay. and um, Wilson. Okay. Which, uh, what does that neighborhood look like? Is That's it the one across the street from Truman. Truman College. Truman oh, College. okay. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. 83 South, I got to I say. believe you rode there. An ambulance 31? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah. when I came on, yeah, they, uptown, they right? were, and when I came on in 83, that was the busiest firehouse in the nation. I mean, probably the world at the time. And what I learned from those guys was just incredible. Um, you know, Ray Bischke who was the captain of uh, Truck 44 and put the story together of who rescued who uh, when I was a little boy. He was in the 9th Battalion there. He was a chief. And we had Eddie Duffy on Truck 44. Um, but what I learned from Louis Blatz, who was the captain there, Dick Bastion, Jerry Walsh, um, Rudy Stargewald, who were, were on Truck 22, I mean, and I was going to the roof right well, off the well, bat. Well, these people were obviously important to you to the point where, I mean, you're showing up with a handful of notes here because you didn't want to forget to give everybody their props. Yeah, so I, just so everybody knows in podcast land, yeah, he's Rick's brought about four pieces of paper with him on a legal pad, and it's all names of people that he's worked with who really touched him in a way that he does not... Right. Want to forget them, and he wants to make sure that everybody out in podcast land knows their name. And this is thirty some years that. Well, thirty seven. I retired um, July seventh of twenty twenty with thirty seven years on the department. Um, you know, I had gotten hurt uh, in twenty fourteen. I had a section of a roof hit me, and um, the department. And we'll, uh, we'll come back to that yeah, because okay. that, that's moving yeah. into when you and I met. Okay. Um, but so, these guys that I yeah, work so with early in your career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know the podcast is about me and, but I mean, my career wouldn't have been this successful and it's the whole part of giving back the whole part of you passing your knowledge and 
You know, the, the, the whole part of just doing the right thing. My career was successful. I learned what I learned from these guys. Yeah. And they need... It wouldn't be complete if I'm doing this podcast. And you know how long you tried to get me to do this thing. Two and years. I just wouldn't do it. Right. Um, Three months. You know, <laughs> no, I'm just and, I, and I love being a fireman. And, 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 and the department, when I, they deemed my injury uh, catastrophic. I was in PT for 15 months. I had a section of a roof come down on me. And I know you want to talk about that later. That's okay. Go, go get into it. Yeah. But um, there's, no, there's no rules here, Rick. What bothered me the most was the department not wanting to let me back. They deemed it catastrophic. They didn't want to because they didn't think you were physically up to it? Well, nobody quite quite right said. I mean, you know, I got hurt. I had 31 years on, uh, 32 years, and I did my year layup, and I was still in, in, in PT because your year layup is 12 months, and I was going three times a week, an hour and a half, uh, where, where, where was the resistance to have you come back? Well, was um, it with I'm not going to mention a name, but I mean, at medical, they said, you know. So the doctor is saying, based on everything that you're turning in, your PT and everything like that, you're not well enough to go back to work. You know, I, I and I heard it from somebody, they thought that well, a person with my injury, I, I had a complete tear of my quad tendon. I'm lucky I got out that day. And Terry Gallagher helped me out. Um, we had a lot of fire coming out of that attic. Um, well, since we're talking about it, yeah. then, then let's let's talk about yeah. what. So, what is this? What'd you show up to? We were at this point in your career. You're yeah. A I'm, I'm back on truck 44 again as a okay? lieutenant. As a lieutenant, this okay. is 2014. Sure. And uh, we get a still alarm. You know, just before um, six o'clock at night. You know, um, and we're first truck. It's five below zero out. Uh, hydrants have been frozen. Uh, we're first truck to 1640 or 1620 on Nelson. And it's a two and a half story ordinary, but with a peak roof. So Single family? Single. Uh, well, no, I think there was somebody living downstairs, perhaps. Okay. Uh, and Should some, be a single family. <laughs> yeah, somebody working upstairs. Yeah. Um, and... Um, so I lose two guys going to the roof. I hold my. I I told my roof team, hey, listen, you know, one hole, you know, listen to, you know, look at what you're doing. Listen to your radios. Um, we've got frozen hydrants. We're gonna have a delay in water. So listen to the radios. And so when you pull up, what do you see in this uh, in this house? I see heavy smoke coming out of the second floor and heavy smoke coming out of the tuck point of the brick. Um, a girl crying in front of the building, and. You know, I got to, right off the bat, I got to tell my guys, you know, like I just said, listen to the radio. What do you want them to be listening for, Rick? I want them to be listening that the engine has got water. We got a positive source of water. You don't want to be trench cutting that roof. Right. You can pop one hole. You got to be smart about stuff because um, your actions will affect everybody. And sure enough, right off the bat, you know, we got hydrants frozen on Nelson we're going to go to Wellington. We got hydrants frozen on Ashland. So the chief says to me, Ricky, there's two guys trapped on the second floor. Truck 21 is second up. They're a tower ladder, okay? So Terry Gallagher was just got that spot. He goes, Ricky, I'll go with you because the chief says, Ricky, go upstairs. 
they got two guys trapped on a second floor. There were workers. And um, so we mask up, we roll up. And at this point, you don't have water yet. We don't have any water yet. Okay. And, and, and um, your truck is at the front of the house. Correct. Where are your guys? We're in, where we were using sector one at the time. Gotcha. Two guys going to the roof. I've you said two guys to the roof on the main or on a ladder? On the main. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then I got two guys from the engine uh, with me. And one guy goes to the rear. I send him to the rear. rear and the other guy... Um, apparently the chief told to, uh, go find a hydrant, go find a hydrant. Cause he sees 55 on his helmet, on their helmets, you know, right. Yeah, but he's on a truck that day, you know? Sure. So myself and Terry Gallagher go so you up. You kind of got a slap together crew here, huh? Well, you know how it goes, you know, yeah. you know how it works and you know, you're alone sometimes and you know, sometimes you're not and you know, you do what you got to do yeah. and you know, Especially the, when there's a rescue. You know, I mean, I got 31 years or 32 years under my belt on, on, a, on a busy company and, and guides that mentored me that were on busier companies. So I know what to do. Um, so we go up and we get into the second floor. We got smoke pretty much, you know, down to our waist from the ceiling and crawl in and grab one guy. And I speak Spanish. Um, they were a couple of guys that were sweating pipe. And uh, you could see a perfectly square cut hole in the bathroom with, you know, like a blowtorch blowing out, you know. <laughs> on the second floor? On the second floor. Wow. You know, so yeah. I grab one guy and I, Terry, I give him to Terry. Terry's waiting for me on the second floor landing. We're going up the front stairwell. Yeah. So I go to the back because I said, who else is up here? And he goes, another guy back there. And he's talking to me in Spanish. So I get to the back and I realize we've got an enclosed porch that's loaded with stuff. And I got my tick and I'm kind of looking and then I grabbed the one guy who was in the... Explain to the people who don't know what a tick is. A thermal image camera. And we're using it, but, you know, we're crawling down and, you know, this, you know, we had our mask on for a moment. We take it off. Um, we're pretty much crawling under the smoke. And, um, you know, you're conserving some air here. And, you know, we've been to this We've done these before. You could tell when you can do that when you can't do that. And I grabbed the guy, and he wanted to take some tools. And I go, no, 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 leave him, leave him. And I'm speaking Spanish to him. Is there anybody else on this floor? He goes, no. Are you sure? Yes. So now we bring him down, and and I shut the bathroom door, you know, because I could see where they had cut out a section of drywall. And, yeah, you know, like I said, it was like a blowtorch. And I shut, at least shut that thing to keep it quiet. So we go downstairs. I bring the guy. I told uh, the chief, you know, it was the 5th Battalion. Then I says, we got a, we got a good fire up here. I go, uh, we're going to go back up. Do we, we need water. Do we, do we have water? Do we have, no, no water yet. No water. And sure enough, on my radio, I keep hearing, you know, we got hydrants frozen on, you know, 56. We got frozen hydrants on Wellington. Uh, 112, we got frozen hydrants on Ashland. And then you hear... So just the further out of the perimeter, just everything's fucked. Yeah, and then, you know, you hear 272 on the radio telling them, you know, we're in the parking lot of Jewel. You know, the, he just doesn't shut up, you know, and, and that's okay. <laughs> what, what is 272? Is it's, that a batch? It's a command van. Oh, okay. You know, and I believe that maybe that command van should be on a different channel. I don't know, you sure. know. I mean, you're stepping on me, this and that. Um, you know, my conversation. So on, on like a fire ground channel, you guys yeah, are talking? We're on fire ground, exactly. So, you know, you're not saying certain things on main, so you're on fire ground. And, and at I, that point you just say whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he kept 
like stepping. Well, I'm not going to say nothing. So we sure. go back up and we start a primary. And I said, hey, listen, Terry, we got these young guys, you know, 112s up here. Um, you know, maybe some 56 guys are up there. And obviously, second truck is sending another guy up to the roof. The squad's en route, and it's west of Ashland. So you get in squad two. They're probably not in route. And like I said, we got the we got the fire like at a quarter to six in the evening. So there's a lot of traffic They're with squad traffic, two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, squad two is in, in traffic coming down diversity. So um, so you're outside, or you were outside, and you uh, do you get a quick look at the house at this point after you bring these guys out? Exactly. And what do you see? Well. I was always a a, a a big throw ground ladders, but we're first truck. You know, sure. a lot of times second truck. You read things, you, you got manuals. Certain things you don't like can happen when they're, when they're ready to happen. Yeah. But if we're working on a second floor, peel off a twenty and throw it to the sill of the front of the building. Right. Let the second truck throw. You don't need to carry ladders off a tower twenty one that's on Ashland. Right. Because we're like almost halfway into the block, you're you're not getting the truck. I'm not going to wait for Tower Twenty One to take the front of the building here. Right, right. Well, somebody will move the rig. I'm first truck, so I got my main to the roof. The main's up there. My guys are working up there. These guys know what they're doing, and so. But I I've been to a lot of fires where that ladder. If we're going to be up on that second floor, I want to ladder to that floor in yeah. sector one. Yeah, you can always ladder the rear and stuff. Now, I mean. Let's think about it, because I'm up on that second floor, and it's an enclosed porch. A ladder wouldn't have done you any good up there, would it have? You know, unless you start peeling off whatever's enclosed in that second floor. Right. So I crawled to the back. We got these guys. We go downstairs. And just because just because Vince got, has, like, an affinity of Latin guys, what, what did you say to these guys to get them out? In Spanish, please. Um... I probably shouldn't say. No, you can definitely say it. <laughs> no, it's only making us want to hear more. What did uh, Tony Montana say? Oh yeah, that's uh, <laughs> what did he say to Frank? <laughs> Frank, <laughs> whoever says you was one, Frank. <laughs> so we go back up, and I tell Terry, "Hey, go, hey, listen, we got these young guys up here," and I grab these guys, and I said, "Hey, listen, open the windows." Punch out the screens, but nobody pop any windows out. Right. We have no water yet. And then, you know, we got some detail guy on truck 21, and he doesn't know. We're all aggressive. There's a, I used to tell my guys, there's a fine line between being aggressive and reckless. Err on the side of the caution, right. the aggressive side. And I catch him opening up a ceiling in a bedroom. But, we, you know, we, we all did that. Sure. You know, we all want to... You know, let's go, let's go, let's go. And what, what do fire conditions of the house, what are they at They're this deteriorating, point? and we're getting a lot more smoke. Um, On the second floor. And Heavy now smoke. Yes, and heat. All right. So we open up the windows, I, and, and, and I'm showing these guys, open the windows. You know, don't right. break them. Because we can always shut these windows if things go south here. Now, I t we go to the back, and I before we got that second guy out of the back, I said, the back is compromised. It's loaded with stuff. We can't get down. I, I, I don't even want to go down that thing, but there's no windows. And the back might not be a viable, viable uh, second way out. Sure. So, And I, again, for a lot of people who aren't listening, like this is, you've got the main house. And for all intents and purposes in Chicago, um, there will be a, if you, you know, if it's a multifamily or if you've turned a, a single family into a multifamily, there'll be a, a rear porch that, 
will be your second entrance into this house. And a lot of times... And, some, and sometimes it's the only entrance to that half story or right. whatever. Up, up, right. Yeah. You yeah. might, from the front of the house, you might not even know that there's a second, uh, yeah. you know, and, whatever and second entrance. Exactly. But, and, depending, and depending on how deep the house is or how big the house is, you might have a side entrance. And right. then, I mean, it and, can go and, on and, and on and, and on. And as a perk, um, people will put, you know, as an addition sort of, they'll they'll enclose this back porch and this is what you're dealing with. So this is generally yeah. you know, this is generally an outdoor whatever, an outdoor deck that has now been well, sure. enclosed. I mean it's a, a viable way to ventilate and Correct. and you can cross ventilate depending on which way the wind's coming from and, and it, it could either help you or hinder you. Right. So and I mean with this back area compromised, you're you're in trouble. Well now. yeah, now you can't see. I mean it got to the point that even the tick camera, you couldn't even see it because you've got your face piece on. You're holding the tick, but you there was so much smoke that you couldn't even read the tick. You know, you can't see it. Yeah. And um, that's what we were, exp you know, experiencing. And so now we got everybody's on the same page up there. Um, I, sh I said, shut that door. The kid who opened up the ceiling, I go, shut that door. We don't have water. And I keep radioing down. You know, truck 44 to battalion 5, and we getting water, we getting water. And then not yet, you know, and then he wouldn't answer. And then you hear 272, they start talking about, you know, there's lunch meat on sale, you know. Uh, you know, and I, I mean, I don't want to knock the guy, but I mean, keep it to a minimum or put 272 on another uh, channel. channel. Right. You know, and, and if you're the RIT team, I mean, listen to the radio, man. You know, listen to the radio. Because I called four maydays, which I'll tell you in a second, and nobody yeah. heard them. Right. So finally they get water. And from what I understand, they got water. I mean, 112 had to have gone in line with 56 because they finally got water. So we're at 1640 on Nelson, halfway up the block. Right. Okay. They got water, you know, and Nelson is one block north of Wellington. Then you got Barry. And then the next street south or north would be Belmont. They got water between Barry and Belmont. I mean, you're you're dropping a, you're dropping your whole bed. Um, but these are Hopefully. things that you got to remember, you know, and things that I learned from guys like this and experience, you know, being able to work on a on a in a on a place plus the density and everything we had in that area. Yeah. Um, so I'm not gonna sway off from this, but. I call down, finally I hear, we got water, we got water. So they're coming up with a hose line now, up the front stairwell, into the second floor. There was not much furniture or crap there, but they had a lot of shit stored in that attic. So now, Battalion 5 says, truck 44, truck 44, I answer it, and uh, they said, Ricky, can you, check, can you check the attic? They seem to think somebody's in the attic. I said, message received. Yeah. So I'm talking on this radio. During the whole thing, my radio's working. Um, you by yourself? No. Uh, okay. Terry's with me, and I got guys, you know, from Truck 21 up there, and they're they're hitting some spots, um, and then I can hear them. They need a line on the first floor, you know, and, and pretty much my whole operation at that fire, and I didn't get hurt too much, deep, you know, into the fire. My whole operation's on that second floor. So we trying to find the attic door, and we're in there. Lights are diffracting off the smoke, um, we, we, you know, shit's falling on us. Can I swear on this thing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> fireman swearing. So 
all of a sudden... Uh, uh, in the attic or on the no, second floor? No, on the second floor okay. stairwell. And I said, try to open up these things. Try to open up. We got a line up there now in the front of the of the second floor. I says, try opening up. And we they couldn't get to the windows. I don't know if it was corrugated plastic or corrugated metal. So I go, let's get into this attic. So we finally found the attic door. And what I mean, a small air, uh, air conditioning hits me and... and uh, um, Terry, you know, Gallagher, and we're getting hit with stuff. Is, is this just a hatch or something? What's how is it? No, we thought attic? it was a hatch because we couldn't find the door. I go, find the door, man. Can you get to in there? And you know how it all is. Everybody wants to work. Right. You know, you can't it's yell at somebody. Neck. We're all, yeah, yeah, you know, you're all aggressive. You all want to get in there. We've all been in there. And so you don't want to be like Chicago Fire where the officers do all the work, you know, which is funny <laughs> you know, to me. But, but, you know, let these guys. You know, we were all, you know, like my lieutenant let me do stuff as as I was. And that's how you learn. So yeah. we find it open. I go, whoa, 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 hold that door. Hold that door. Don't so open it So it's a door. Yet. Okay. Yes, it is a door. And we open the door. They had a line there uh, in the front. They open the door and Terry goes, Ricky, I'm going to go get a, I'm going to go get the line and, and bring it up. You know, bring it this way. Don't go too deep in the attic. And I always remember I was on watch and this was. Back in the 80s, I believe. And I remember listening to the scanner and that Fireman Hill, and it was on a 4th of July, and it always stuck in my mind. And he was on the south side in a frame, and it was the 4th of July, and a bottle rocket had gotten wedged into one of the eaves of the balloon-constructed frame and it had smoked and it smoldered for hours. Now somebody sees smoke coming out of this frame. And I remember James Hill, they said he let up to the rear, from the rear, gone up, and when he got into the attic, somebody had punched the window in the attic or it broke on its own from the heat, cavitated or something, or if they hit it with the main, I mean, that was a practice we did back there with like right. a sea grave. You'd punch out the, you know, some the guys would window. continue and punch a hole into the roof. Right. right. You know, you can't do that with these new ladders, you know. And bam, you'd blow it through and keep going. And you now you got one hole up there, you know, and then you can move, redirect the ladder to, you know, get it out of harm's way and, and you know, operate, you know, into a, you know, a valley, you know, where you got a dormer or whatever. You right. had two, two sides so you could take shit out with. But it... They found him, this poor brother of ours, with his, from what I heard, um, with his mask melted to his head. And it blew at him. And hence, since that, no master streams when you got people in the building. No aerial pipes, no shooting water in through... Uh, A random opening. Exactly. Right. It would, good reason. It blew everything back at the poor guy. So with this in the back of your mind, you well, make your way into the well, attic? Well, yeah. As I crawl up the, the stairwell... And um, it was a, just a short stairwell. And this is where you've heard some guys say, well, you should have never been alone. Or just, Listen, we find ourselves alone. Come on now. Right. It, yeah, we know what you can do, but we do what we got to do. And if there's somebody there, and usually they find them by a door, right? Most and, people are found and, in a I was going to say, I don't, in, I don't know what the end door. of the story they, is. They made probably. it to the door, they couldn't get out. <laughs> right. And they might be there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the end of the story, but like you might have been with someone else, and you guys both be fucked up right now. Correct. I mean, it doesn't, or the chimney falls on you. Right. Yeah. So... We go up. 
I go up, I should say. I look. I use my tick. I look. I even walked into the attic. I'm in. I'm on a landing. The stairwell goes up, a small landing, and I could see the opening of the attic. And I'm looking, but the smoke and the heat was tremendous up there. And I just said, in my experience, you know, my common sense, stuff that I learned from all these men that I mentioned throughout all the years. And um, I, I even walked in one more time, man, because I didn't want to. Maybe he's behind the uh, the doors open in the attic. Maybe he's behind. So you're just peeking through looking for a guy. Yes. That's all you're doing. Yeah. You're not up there for any other reason no. besides for potential And I rescue. was alone. 90 seconds. So I look, you know, now we got the mask on, you know, it's, it's on, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're, we got it going. N- nobody was up there. So when I come back down, I radio down truck 44 to battalion five. I don't find anybody up here. Um, so I'm on this landing. I turned and it's my mind saying, you know, you know what, let go down. I'm going to go down the stairs, shut that door, wait till we got water, and we're going up. I don't see any open fire yet, but the heat's getting worse. So yeah. I take one step onto the first stair. Rick, Rick is turning around. <laughs> you know, like picture me on a landing here, and I put yeah. one foot out. One foot out, stairwell. so he's got one foot in the landing, and one foot out. all of a sudden, <laughs> I get hit with bricks, a section of the roof, my... Halligan bar goes flying. My helmet goes flying. I'm like, <gasps> you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, getting hit, getting hit, getting hit. It's hitting my f- face piece. I'm as, blocking it with. As you're tumbling down no, these stairs? Or, no, or I'm, I'm shit, is falling, shit is falling on top of you. Yeah, right. shit's it, falling on top of in me. In the top of that stairwell yeah. into the attic. Yeah. Gotcha. So now I'm like, <gasps> so I go to like, you know, you want to get out. So, right. you know, I, I go to stand up and I get tremendous pain in my left uh. knee. Oh. Tremendous pain, you know. I'm like, God, what what is on me, you know? And and I'm pushing stuff over, and I I feel bricks on me and and my my face, you know, my face piece. I mean, like you're nervous if shit falls on top of you, but like you're like knocking bricks off yourself. Now it's like a whole different level of anxiety. Right. So, like these ninety seconds, man, went by like, like it, it seemed hours. like real slow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I I get up and I go mayday, mayday, mayday. This is truck 44. The officer at truck 44, we're using sectors. Yeah. I'm in sector three outside the attic. I go, there's been a collapse. I got a possible broken leg. Mayday, mayday, mayday. You know, each mayday is three times. Yeah. And I hear nothing. Now, I've been talking on this radio the whole time, you know. Yeah. And then I heard, you know, I call it again. Yeah. So so while, during this time, okay, um, you... You've got a bunch of debris on you. You can't exit out because your leg's fucked, right? Um, and and you've got debris around you, too, so it'd be hard to get out of you if your leg was working. Yeah, I, what, and you can't see. I right. mean, I couldn't see, and, but and I knew. Your, your, I, ma- your makeshift partner went back to get a line right, or gra- grabbed a line. Yeah. yeah. Well, they to, hear something, and they're coming. And they said, because I remember Terry saying, well, he either dropped his Halligan bar or something happened up there. Right, and I'm gonna I'm on my way out of there. I'm I got to get out, right. but I I I try to drag my leg and the pain. It felt like I had like an electrical line on my knee. Yeah, and that was well, shocking. You well, just, I thought yeah. I broke my femur, you know, and I probably should have because I, I I had a complete detachment of the quad tendon, yeah. my left leg quad tendon, and it so, rolled up. So you call a second time. So I call Mayday. a second time, and 
Now, I see orange coming from the attic, and I feel turbulence, Jesus. like turbulence. So it yeah. maybe the and I couldn't see the attic window, but it it it, it popped out, or maybe one of the roof guys would pop it popped it out because they got water now, right? Mm. You know, I mean, I don't know. So all I know is I got to get out of here, and I. So what I did was I managed to sit up. I put bricks and everything away from me and I make it to the first step and I drop the step. Boom. And then I can't lift my left leg. So I got my hand on pulling on my bunker pants and I got my right foot underneath my left foot and I've got it extended out and I drop another step. And so I you're drop pretty much like step. using, yeah, so you're pretty much using your bunker pant pocket like to lift up your leg. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think right. I could have flipped forward. Right. And, and everything that hit me cascaded down the stairs. Well, at that time, I call another mayday, and I called it on main. And I don't hear anything. And, well, that's when these guys were coming up. And Terry Gallagher said, I heard that, Matt, I heard your mayday. I heard that last mayday. And um, they came up, and I'll tell you what, Juanita was on 112 that day, this girl. And she's like, Ricky, get up, get up. And Terry's like, get up. I go, I think I broke my leg. I go, help me up and wedge me. And the stairwell was real narrow. So I've got my right side up against the wall, picture us going down. And I got my, right, my left arm around him. I go one step at a time. But before that, she opened up that pipe and shot up into that attic, attic opening from the bottom of the stairwell. Because then she stepped over me and, you know, they started hitting it. Um, but we figure you got frozen hydrants. That water came down scalding hot. Wow. And, so, she, and she's protecting the stairwell. Protecting me and, and everybody protecting, else. So you can escape. Yes. And Terry can get you out. And Terry helped me all the way down she the had stairs. The, she had the foresight to go over you guys? Yeah. She went over you guys. And she's this tiny little thing that, I mean, I can't thank enough. I mean, she used to bring her, you know, her mother to parties, you know, retirement things. And, I mean, she was great. And she opened up that pipe, man, and, and uh, we were able to get out. And we, I, grab, I told Terry, I go, grab my helmet. And he's like, no, no, we'll get it later. I go, grab my helmet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was down at the bottom, on the second floor. It was out of harm's way, yeah. you know. So I go, don't make me walk back up, man. Grab my helmet. You know how <laughs> right. we are with all our right, helmets. Right. You know, take my fire coat, but don't take my helmet, man. And don't clean it either. <laughs> so uh, we make it to the downstairs. We're yeah, in the gangway. Okay. Yeah, we're in the gangway now. And I'm dragging my foot. I go, I got it. I got it. Go, go. He, he, and Terry runs out. He's the mayday. He's the mayday. And then I remember... Zerwanka was the Mayday chief, and he's like, what Mayday? What Mayday? And The RIT I, team that didn't hear the Mayday either? The RIT team didn't hear it either. And, um, you know, we've all been at instances where the RIT team is like, hey, man, how you doing? Hey, are you going to this? But, you know, they're not listening to, listen right. to the, listen to the, you know, listen to fire drum, man. Let's get this together. Do your job. We'll talk about shit later, you know. Right. But, and they come out and... Um, what mayday? What mayday? So I take my tank off. I make it to the truck. I'm in sector one there, and I, I throw my 
my MSA up on the thing, or my, uh, you know, my MSA on the thing, and Ambulance 6 was there, and uh, they come running over, and um, it was the two girls, and um, it was, uh, you know, they did a great job, and Janine was there, and, you know, they're asking me questions, and they said, are you allergic to anything? And uh, I said, I, um, I think I'm allergic to penicillin, I'm not sure, you know, but no, I don't think so. And then they take my bunker pants off, and you're like, "Oh, it's, it's super." They cold pulled out. it down, and then they cut my pants leg off, and I'm like, "What is it? Am I okay?" And they're like, "Don't look at it, don't look at it." And then they said, "Go, go, go!" And I think Masonic might have been on a bypass because I told them my doctor was at St. Joe's, and they ran me to St. Joe's, and. They said, that's all you're allergic to. And then you could see the other paramedic girl say, just give it to them. And they said, don't look at your leg. And I go, why? And then they they shot me with morphine, my one and only time. <laughs> and um, they just said my leg was going uh, southbound on an eastbound street. <laughs> so the so muscle had come off? And the tendon. The tendon came off, and, and the muscle rolled up into the, the top of my thigh. So I ended up... Uh, Did you have a big knot there then? Probably. Um, I ended up doing... After surgery, <laughs> after surgery, I ended up doing uh, 15 months of PT. And then, you know, at, at about the ninth month when or eighth month, when 10 month maybe... They want to, and I know everybody at medical, they, they did a great job. The paramedics did a great job. You said, Janice, was it Janice? Yeah. From Ambulance 6 who took yeah. care of you? Yeah. Okay. And um, they start the duty disability thing program. They, you know, and, um, you know, I, for the life of me, I mean, they started that process after ten months. I think so, or right around that month, right around then. And yeah. um, and I'm going to PT three times a week, making gains. You, know, you can't rush an injury like this. Yeah. And um, I mean, I got 31 years, 32 years now on after my layup, and um, you know, with all my knowledge, all my experience. The I would get detailed when Bob Hoff and and Cortez Holland, second district had a list of divers and drivers, and I was one of them. So you know, no, no, not a lot of us you know got that the training that the squad guys did. And um, what are they going to do? Leave me sitting with a rig? And 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 if one guy was on uh, furlough or they needed a diver, I'd go to you know when Bob Hoff was the lieutenant or probably the captain in Cortez Island. I got a chance to work with those guys, you know. Oh, yeah, Ricky Vega's coming for the furlough, whatever, you know. And uh, I was grateful for that. And those guys are all great firemen there, man, great officers. And um, What happened at this house? Did the roof collapse onto you? Well, what was the end Ron Dornecker, the end result? you know yeah. Dornecker, he ran Air Sea Rescue there, okay, the dive program. He lives around the corner. and He, he was also a lifeguard, right? He was a lifeguard, Yes. There's like a common theme. We just with talked like, about him on the last podcast. Yeah, there's and, like a common theme with some of these uh, guys oh, that become chiefs. They were like all lifeguards. Hey, you oh. know what? Yeah. He's one of my heroes, one of my best friends. He uh, he took that program. Um, oh, right. And, I mean, it was nothing like that prior to that. I mean, you got detailed to the squad or whatever. You got an extra large wetsuit <laughs> bottom with a 
well, you're muscular. They'd give you a, 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 a double X top. And the whole idea of a wetsuit is you want it snug, not too snug, but snug enough where it traps water between. And warms it up and, and you become it up. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's nuts. Nobody in their right mind would get into a frozen lake, like when they pulled out Jimmy Tonnelovitz, in a wetsuit. You're going with dry suits, you know, when no water goes in. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you've got these agamas you can talk. But, I mean, he took that program to to where to where it is now. I mean, you know, he probably, I mean, light years. the same sentiment. I worked with him as guess. a fireman. He was on 55 when I was on Truck 44 driving. I was driving Truck 44 as a fireman there. And, um, you know, Ed Ducey was our, our, our chief and Hurling was my boss. You know, Dick Bastion oh, was on the engine. That's a bad place to be when you got a hurling as a boss. <laughs> no. Um, so, <laughs> so what happened to this house? Just don't let him oh. hit you with a flashlight. Oh, he is that? Uh, who told me that story? I'm not going to repeat that story. <laughs> oh, I'm I heard sworn it. <laughs> uh, secrecy. Oh, I was at the. Uh, you the f- might come into a dream tonight. Oh, uh, okay. Because <laughs> I was at the fire brigade, and I've heard a couple flashlight stories. You know, I I do not recall. Uh-huh. I think it's my my my. my uh, so, so what happened to this roof at the fire? Well, what, what we think to happen yeah. was a section of the roof, because I had bricks on me. Yeah. So we all know what a balloon constructor frame is, right? And one of the test questions were, and we saw it, you know, when we responded to certain fires and frames. Yeah. Okay. If you got a fire coming out of an attic, where should you check? Right, so the basement, right? Because it's a balloon construction, might have a fire in the basement. Right, it misses the first and second flooring, and goes up into the attic. But when you've got an ordinary constructed building with a peak roof, you're going to have a brick knee wall up in the attic. And what happened was that roof let loose a section of it, and, and the it knee kicked. Wall came down and on it you. kicked the part of the knee wall and hit me Oof. and thank god i didn't get it hit with the the you know the chimney and that's happened to right. guys well and that's that's initially what i was thinking was that the chimney came down on you uh, well thank god it wasn't that right you know? but you know all in all i mean i mean and i don't want to sound dramatic but i wasn't ready to leave i was one out to make captain regardless of if i was one out to make captain at that time I just didn't want to leave yet. And you go out on your own terms. Right. And I, I'm in great shape. I mean, I I didn't have any issues with well, with that. Talking to guys like you, Rick, and talking to guys like our friend Dan Trader, who was uh, Army Green Beret, then became a Lincolnwood fireman uh, in a past episode we, when we did the live podcast. Uh, he worked with an organization where they paired these military guys up with professional athletes uh, and 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 you're telling a similar story, you know, the, the green beret doesn't take the last sniper shot to win the war. He gets hurt and then he leaves. And uh, most professional athletes, you know, they're not the quarterback who throws the last touchdown to win the Super Bowl and then fucking retires. They get old and they blow their knee out and then they're done. And, and that's similar. We all know. I mean, we have a profession where police as well, and that's uh, similar to what to what you're talking about is, you know, you you wanted that 
that last like day at that last day and... at the firehouse and everybody comes and the family shows up and you have a little cake and then you get yeah, fire. eventually i mean yeah, i wasn't really thinking at, like that yeah. i wanted to go back to work sure and... sure but what, what i'm saying is is it ended quick for you uh the, and not on your terms you know and, and that's something that that messes with a lot of guys you know, I had run into Bob Hoff, and he knew about my, you know, he was a, the main mentor on my, in my life on the department. And, um, and I'm not the only one that this happened to. I mean, John Garetti, tremendous fireman, yeah. his whole family, you know, Biagio, you know. It, hap- it happened to my dad. Bobby Garetti. It happened to my dad. See? We're not the only ones that, you know, John was number one on the captain's list, and he got hit with a ceiling. And I know he didn't want to go. And... But they told him, you know, you could hit in the head one more time and you're going to be in a wheelchair. I know to this day. I mean, I speak to Tommy Gretti and he says his brother feels the same way. He goes, he goes, you and my brother would come on right now if they told you, all right, you guys, you can go back, you know. Um, well, Rick, I remember talking to you a year ago, right when you were going to be medically retired. Is that is that the term that they that you were using with me? Where you've gotten, where you were going to be officially retired because you no, had been of, officially. What happens is, you know, they granted me a duty disability, but they deemed it catastrophic, and they would not let me back whatsoever. They they point blank out, you know, blank point blank said no, you you cannot. Come but there back. was a but distinction I, where you were still with the department. Yeah, because when you got a duty disability, you're technically still part of the department, and I right. only got what I got for like four and a half years. Right, you know. Because um, my month, my birthday is seven months into the year, and I turned sixty-three in twenty twenty. Um, but um, you know, then you go on your retirement because you're sixty-three. Right. Well, but what I remember is I was talking to you because you, for those who don't know, I've been trying to get you on here for two years. I know. And one of the I would kind of talk to you, and we'd we'd bullshit for a little while, and then you'd be, hey, you know, I got stuff going on. Can you? get back to me in a month. And at that time, the one time I had gotten in contact with you, you were making that transition into actually retirement. I remember how emotional you were and you were, you know, I could hear it in your voice well, that tell you, you were what, upset. And not to interrupt you, Vince, but my last day when I met with Loretta and I had to sign my papers. That was, I, I talked to you that day. I cried like I was a five-year-old and You know, um, and she said, stop, stop. You're not, look what you're signing. You're not retiring. You're not quitting. You got granted a duty disability. And even, I can't think of the guy's name, the guy who was the DDC down there said to me, if anybody could come back physically, it's probably you, you know, um, but I wasn't ready to go, man. I mean, I had more. Well, more that, in that's me. the point I'm trying to make is you weren't leave. You were upset because you weren't leaving on your terms because you you weren't ready to go. No. And it hadn't really. When we talked, you were saying it hadn't really set in with you, and it hadn't really. You weren't ready to wrap your brain around the fact that that was the end, right? You were you were upset, and I was like, I guess I'm not. You know, I'm gonna just kind of leave it alone for a while because yeah, i didn't want to yeah, uh, yeah i had nothing that to situation. talk about really and and not to knock you guys and i mean you know i mean there were i'm grateful i had the mentors that i had coming up you know and i mentioned a ton of them 
You know, and I mean, even at the end, you know, guys that like Kenny Anilowski or Cortez Hall and Bob Hoff, when I, I would get detailed to squad too. I mean, Kevin Casey that I knew from the health club days, uh, John Edwards on squad two. But like Frank Cambria, I just went to his last day. Um, he was on he was on the squad. You know, they came on in 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 79, you know, with Gruber that I that I just went to his last day. I worked with Gruber pretty much my whole career. And, you know, Jimmy O'Donnell, Bill Duffy, you know, Mike Lobianco, um, Ken Witecki, all those guys. I, I mean, I wouldn't be, and I'm nothing, really. I mean, I just am grateful. You know, my girlfriend had said, you know, don't be sad it's over. Be glad you got to do it. And there's certain things that are out of your control where no matter what, and always, somebody's always got it worse. I'm lucky. I'm, I walked in here, you know. Right. I mean... You know, they could have kept me and, and, and utilized, and I got a lot of that special ops stuff from, like I said, getting detailed there. And even after Homeland Security, the city held on to that money, man. You know, we didn't get, I would tell the, the young guys, and I would take the courses, and, you know, Nielsen, Nielsen would say at the academy, you see that guy over there? You know, that's Ricky Vega. And they go, yeah, why is he doing this? I mean, and, you know, and I just said, you're learning something, man. It's fun. You know, so I got all my... It's it's uh, what? It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> and I had, you know, all my certs at technician level, you know? And, you know, just the camaraderie, everything. I mean, why wouldn't you want to learn something? You know, but they were so dumb, man. They're like a penny... God, I didn't want to get negative here. And I don't want to bash anybody on the city. But, I mean, why don't you utilize somebody... Because nobody, after 30-something years wants to stay. You're very few people. Or or give back or go teach. Or, and I, I always wanted to be on a busy company. And I tell you, man, 55 South, all those companies down here, yeah, the West Side's awesome, you know? And and they're tremendous firemen, you know? Um, but you got the density here. You got water rescues. We get the most, you know, the now it's the 12th and the, and, uh, and the uh, 9th Battalion get the most high-rise fires out of anybody in the city. We get the most people in the water. You got Lakeshore Drive for Pinnons. You got high rises, U-shaped courtyards, four plus ones with with our in, which are indigenous to the twelfth uh, battalion and the ninth battalion. You got the L train. You got the Metra train. You got open air assemblies like Wrigley Field. You've got closed assemblies, the Vic Theater, the Uptown Theater, the Aragon Ballroom. You know, you got a little bit to the west of there. You got you know, factories that are now lost I, I can't and the density yeah. of people and living I, here. I can't tell you how many times, like, you know, like I wake up at the firehouse uh, to get off shift and I go grab a cup of coffee in the kitchen, you know, and WGN is on and I'm looking and they're showing a fire and I go, and I don't even know where the fire, I don't, they don't say where it's at <laughs> right. and I'm looking at it and I go, I am glad I'm not a 9th Battalion fireman. Oh. I, I'm going home right now. And sure enough, they give the address that it's the 9th Battalion or whatever and it's this courtyard, still in box 211, packed of with people just like he's talking about you know, you know and i i loved i loved getting detailed to the to the west side you know and when i was coming off of the bureau and i was relieving before i got truck six because bob hoff had said hey listen they're putting in truck six you know i go truck six what's that you know and and you know this was in oh three i believe or and something you, like that you had four you made lieutenant Yes. And I made a lieutenant at the end of 01. 01. Right and here. then you were in the bureau, mm -hmm. right? They said, because like, uh, so one of the things about uh, the Chicago Fire Department is uh, 
they hold so many spots in the Fire Prevention Bureau uh, for lieutenants, and it's c- kind of like a union thing because it cr- creates more uh, lieutenant positions, um, and these guys get uh, some training in fire prevention when they're in the academy. So, so many guys from each lieutenant's class, or however they do it by need, uh, some of them go back to the field on trucks and engines and what, what whatever else. Right away. Right, right away, and some of the guys get assigned to... Uh, forty-hour bureau, mm-hmm. and so you were one of the guys that got sent to the bureau. Yeah, and then you have to do one year in the bureau. Fifteen months, I believe Fif- it is. Okay. But you know what? I wasn't a tradesman. I could see if, you know, right. And that's the big knock on, on yeah. going to the bureau in our department is like, you know, guys become firemen and they're they're plumbers and electricians and carpenters. So on their off days from the fire department, they're building houses and pulling yeah. wire and, and and sweating pipe and doing all this other shit. Uh, and so some guys don't like going to the bureau cause it affects their <laughs> construction job, job yeah. on the side. No, and you know what, if you're Irish, like the hurlings, <laughs> you know, I mean, I work with all those Irish guys, you know, that had 10 kids and we were rocking and rolling, man, in those early, early eighties. I mean, uptown, you know, Lakeview, there was a lot of arson for profit. The SRO fires we had, oh, yeah, I mean, the yeah. high rise fires we had. I mean, those guys got up and went to work. I remember Tommy Garetti telling me stories of his dad, Biagio, who was a prince as a chief. I mean, a great fireman, and he was a fireman on Truck 28. He goes, yeah, they were going to five fires a day, coming home, and he had to go to work. You know, yeah. Biagio had to go to work, you know, be, you know when well, he was a fireman. Well, speaking of one of those fires, we've posted a picture of you carrying out a lady. And what were the circumstances <laughs> behind that, that infamous picture? Well, you know, that was the fire on Dakin Street. And what, uh, what it was the 900 block of Dakin. It was a Sunday morning. We uh, were sitting at the firehouse. Uh, what year, Rick? Um, it was 90s, mid-90s, late, mid-90, mid to late 90s. Okay. Jimmy Lynham uh, was my boss, another great, great leader, great fireman. And um, it was probably his first fire with us. And... Um, John Hurling had retired, and um, you know he got his spot. And he was the he was a lieutenant engine twenty two for a while. But I mean he worked he worked out south. Um, you know he was a real good fireman, Jimmy Lynham. That was a, a truck forty four job though. Yeah, it was. Uh, and you were fi- and you were a fireman. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, John Hurling. I mean, excuse me, John O'Leary was driving. Okay. And. Um, and how did you come across this lady? And the reason you're carrying her uh, is because she burnt her feet, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, John Hurling, you know, the jokester that he is, uh, he was saying, he, he saw the camera. He saw, you know, the Tribune, and he just picked up some some lady. <laughs> you know? But no, you should have seen what it took me to get her out of that third floor window. And we had thrown up a 35 up there, and it was at its last reach, and we got it underneath the window. So, but... Um, initially, truck 21, the tower, went to the front of the building. I mean, we were first truck there, or truck 21 might have, and uh, it was a 900 block of Dakin. Uh, eight, uh, 78 was a still engine, and uh, 83 second, and we, you know, it, it turned into a 211 or a 311, but um, I want to say nine people <coughs> died, and one of the guys that, one of the people that died worked with me at Park West. And, um, in the fire that you're carrying yes, out that lady. Yes, and his family had show, uh, was in town from Mexico, 
And he was a, he like stocked the bars and stuff at Park West Theater. And um, I got a phone call later, you know, that the next day saying, oh my God, were you at that fire? And I go, yeah. And they said, he and his whole family died. And uh, that was horrific. And uh, the fire happened because uh, somebody uh, got evicted, hadn't paid his rent in nine months. And um, they padlocked his door. And uh, it was early Sunday morning, and um, he threw a fit. And they heard him in the stairwell saying, I'm going to burn this place down. And he had gone to where the Walgreens is at Sheridan and uh, uh, Irving Park there. Uh, it was a, uh, a shell station. And he showed up with a little plastic, uh, like a little kid's play bucket. You know, you would take to the beach to play with sand. And they said, we can't fill this up. So he got really pissed off because they had to sell him a, a gas can. And I, and I shouldn't be laughing because what he did was he showed up, went up the back stairwell, and poured gasoline into the hallways from the top of the third or fourth floor, whatever that was, and um, poured it down the, um, the stairwell as he descended down the stairwell. But he threw the gas can into the backyard there, and handprints were all over. He smelled like fuel. They ended up catching him. I actually, myself and a couple other firemen, uh, were subpoenaed. Uh, were you, you, you said were you were first truck or second truck? Um, you, you said you were kind of unsure. Yeah, it was, it's, you were it's truck between 21. us and truck 21 or truck 22. Okay. Um, Do you remember what, like... What the building looked like, what the fire conditions were. Oh, it was like rolling. Right, right well, when you, I, right, like well, you jump out of the rig and you look up. Well, first of all, I mean, talk about what you shouldn't do sometimes, but you got to do it. You got to do what you got to do, given conditions. Um, I was one of the first guys up on the roof because John O'Leary had to pluck people out of windows with the aerial ladder, and I and I went up there and I said, you know, the roof is fine right now, and I I had no idea what was going on in the front, but it was blowing out the windows, and truck, truck 21 did a hell of a job rescuing people with their basket. And I mean, they rescued, you know, Bishke, Rich Bishke, which was Ray Bishke's son. Um, they did a hell of a job. Jeff Taylor was there, um, another tremendous fireman that I learned a bunch of stuff from. They rescued so many guys out of that front. And they, I started with, the, the K-12, and, and uh, you know, I said, leave me the stripping ladder up here, and I peeled that off the end of our Seagrave, and I had my axe with me, and, uh, I mean, if conditions were worse than that, or the roof is spongy, of course, I'm not going up there by myself, but he plucked a bunch of people, and we were on the side street off of an alley. We had, a, we had an aerial ladder in an alley. We had a truck in an alley. And somehow we're able to pluck people out of windows. I didn't. He did with the main without touching those power lines there. <laughs> so, I mean, you do what you got to do, right? And, um, I mean, but these guys were great firemen. I mean, these guys did this, you know, I mean, he was on truck 35 as a fireman. I mean, uh, John O'Leary. I mean, they were on busy companies, man. So, somebody, so in the picture, somebody handed you this woman. No. Oh, nobody handed me the woman. Um we get a couple holes up there. 
Truck 21 finally gets back up there. The squad goes up there with our, and John O'Leary stays up on the roof. And I hear Ricky come down. You know, I, we didn't have all, all those radios back then. Nobody had a radio, you know, other than the driver and, uh, and the officer. But uh, I came down and we had a 35 on it. And, and you could see this woman, she was ready to jump. And uh, for somebody who was ready to jump but wouldn't come on the ladder with me, <laughs> she was afraid to fog. <laughs> what would you think you're going to do? <laughs> so I'm telling you, it was rolling. And I said, go in there and shut your door. Because she had, you know, her one door. I go, shut your bedroom door. Because you could see it starting to fill up with. And then finally got her to calm down and shut the door, which gave us a few more t- minutes to uh, it, it'd have to burn through the door. Yeah, hope, yeah. So... I said to her, I finally got rough with her, you know, and I said, come on, come on. I can't do it. I can't do it. I says, come on down. I go, give me your leg. Give me your leg. Finally, I almost had her put her over my shoulder and go down. I just didn't want her flipping over. Right. You know, and, you know, I certainly wasn't like Hitman Heenan. Who, <laughs> I mean, that was an incredible, God bless him, man. What a great fireman he is, you know, who caught that 80-pound girl. I mean, that would have ripped my arm off, our arms off, you know. And, I mean, that was incredible. I mean, kudos to him, another great fireman. And He's all right. So, <laughs> so I got her down, and, and I look at her, and you know why she didn't want to step over? Her feet were burned. So she must have tried to so make you're it. You're yelling at this poor woman, and her feet are <laughs> well, burned. you can't see her feet. So, so anyway. Damn it, Ricky. <laughs> you know, she must have tried to make it out. But, like I say, this guy torched the hallways. And those hallways were almost catacombish-like. And um, her feet, man, were burned and coming off, you know, yeah. like the skin was coming off. Yeah, but she couldn't. And, and I said, give me. And finally, I said, we don't have a lot of time. And then, I, you know, Jimmy Lynham's down there screaming at me, swearing at me, get her to hell down. No, so finally, I just grabbed her. I go, come on. And I, I got her. And I, I put her, like, in front of me. And I had her... Thank God I was strong. You know, I pulled, I had her feet. She she never touched the ladder with her feet, but I had her hands on the beams. And I said, let go of the rungs. You know, put them on your beams and just slide with me. And I got her all the way down. And, you know, I, I think it was the ambulance. Oh, so like, were her legs like straddling your arms? Or her legs were hanging, her? you know, and oh, okay. she was a skinny little woman. Yeah. And I had her between, like she was in front of me, you know, okay. and yeah. I'm, I'm hanging on to the uh, right, you're holding the. I'm beam. holding. And you're, the beam you're, with you're, my hu- you're like hugging her. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, and I'm pulling her toward right me now. actually, yeah. and then you know leaning onto the. I'm, gotcha. I'm stepping on the rungs. I had to go one at a time. You know, it wasn't stepping down like right. you know one two one two two. Right. You know, so, but uh, we make it down, and now I see why, and I'm like, oh my god! So I pick her up. And I don't know what ambulance. Now you was feel bad. Now you feel bad for her because yeah, you got is, done yelling at her. Yeah, like, get, the, out, get out of the window. Pity. Let's go. This she would have not made carry. it out. She right, would have not no. made it. You know, and <laughs> we were. I, I tell you, you know, we were lucky that uh, you know we got all those people. Everybody did a hell of a job there. Um, so. So you get her out and and you hand her off to Ambo and yeah. 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 No, that's when it was in the. I don't know one of those papers. It's almost like as. Uh, you don't want to be put in the paper or something, you know, but, you know, O'Leary was funny because O'Leary, O'Leary gave us a hard time about everything. You know, he was, he was uh, uh, funny that way, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, 
Here, Ricky Vega sees his camera and he picks her up. <laughs> she probably didn't even live in the building. <laughs> she was a neighbor. <laughs> so let's talk. So I love firemen. <laughs> let's talk about uh, your. Yeah, let's go back to the promotion. When, right? Well, no, let's let's talk about when you got to Truck Forty Four. Mm-hmm. How, oh. how did you just put in for the spot, yeah. or did you know, they ask you to come? Well, over I put or? in for the spot twice, and. I learned a lot downtown. I learned a lot in the Bureau, let's put it that way. You know, I mean, the Bureau was really, really uh, informative. And I worked with Donnie Bowman. I worked with Ken Weidman, who was the commissioner, and uh, Larry Muse. I mean, I learned so much from those guys. Jack Heater was great. But I was in the Bureau with Billy Oswald, who was a squad guy on Squad 1, Squad 5, um, Kevin Krasnick, um, Ray Cullen, you know, was up there when he made captain. Um, and I remember talking to Sampy, the father, and he saw me in uniform and said, congratulations. And his wife said, my husband was put in a bureau when he made lieutenant, and he learned a real lot. And he said to me, they were going shopping or something, and they parked at 42's house, and I was at Central. I was upstairs there. And I tell you, it made, made you a better fireman, you know, made you a better officer. And, um, I mean, the things that people have in places, the amount of propane, the amount of craziness that, that, that is down there. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it what, just made what you did, a better officer. Yeah. What, uh, what did you specifically for you? Helped, helped you with building construction, I'm assuming? Building construction, yeah. occupancy codes. I kind of, Don Bowman, who was a, you know, great chief, and he was no, he was no nonsense. And he and I were the only ones in the, and he was the uh, district chief in the bureau. So he was right underneath Ken Bowman or uh, Ken Weidman. Um, you know, he and I were the only ones with a scanner up there. Still paying attention to what's going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, I'd turn it on the minute I, I got to work and I'd turn it on and, and, uh, and, you know, and he knew how I was. And, you know, Ed Ducey worked with him and he was my battalion chief when I, uh, you know, in the 5th Battalion, and he called him up and he goes, hey, I got, I got this guy, Ricky Vega. He's, uh, he, he just got promoted. He drove truck 44. He's from here. He, he's a, you know, great fireman. And, and I, I'm like, whoa, 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 I'm a good fireman in, in, in high rises and whatever. And he goes, you're going to want him downtown. And they worked together. They might have even come on together. And sure enough, I, I got the, my assignment, and they said, yeah, you're going to Central. But I kind of created my own... Um, niche there and um they they were just starting the first leg of the wacker drive project and i didn't you know there's a lot of guys that went to the bureau right out of the academy stayed there it worked for them and you know that's an important job of you need inspectors right sure, sure. but m- i was the eyes and ears for the companies down there and i would find i mean i found like twenty thousand pounds of propane on a uh, building on Wells and, oh, God, what was that, Lake Street, some Art Deco-type building that they were rehabbing, all strapped to the fire escapes. And, you know, you had construction workers there, so it was occupied. I mean, they mean something. They're humans, you know. Or if we needed to get in there, we get a fire in there. Now you got all these propane tanks on these things exploding. You know, and propane expands 270 to 1, it's stored as a liquid, LPG, and it comes out as a gas. It seeks the ground. It's heavier than vapor density, yeah. heavier than natural gas. So it's all going down. But 
there's a lot, there's a lot to do there, you know, but I missed going to fires. I miss. So I remember. H- had you been a high rise guy before your assignment or did you get that from, uh, well, your experience with, or your, yeah, your being on truck 21 and, gotcha. you know, okay. being on truck 44. Yeah. Well, uh, so you learned a lot in the bureau and you had a, you actually had a really good experience in the bureau. I did. I'm going to fast forward you to when we met, you had already been injured. You had gone through one of your trips to medical yeah. and it was my first time at the academy and you walked in, you had paperwork that you needed to come to training for. That was back when we kept everybody's like files and stuff like that. And you walked in, it was my first day. I didn't know anything. They sat me in there and, and everybody had left and you walked in mm. and you were asking me for something. And I was like, Lieutenant, I, I'm sorry. I don't know anything. Okay. Can you just hold on? Somebody will be here. I'll, I'll, I'll get that information for you. And the night before, I was at the Social Distortion concert, yeah. and I remember seeing you, and then I brought it up. I was like, "Did I am, am I remembering this right? Were you working behind the scenes of Social Distortion? And you were like, yeah. yeah. And you were telling me that story. And go ahead and like jump into your social distortion days well we my side gig my side gig was you know my job was i did concert security and that started in high school at 73 and then all throughout you know my fire department career even you know as a fireman or, or as an officer i ran security at park west and i worked for jam and i still do private stuff now um right so well, at, at what point in did 1982 you meet? and i wasn't even working that that concert um, I was meeting some friends, you know, and I was a big social distortion fan, you know, cause I worked at the exit I had worked at, we had our graduating class party, uh, out of my Academy in 83 at the exit, the original one on Wells That's and That's why you guys are so badass. You know, <laughs> you, had, you, and, you graduated to have your party you know, at the exit. Yeah. So, and it was funny because, you know, some chiefs showed up, we had our graduation dinner and there were some Southsiders that came. And, you know, how the Southside guys sometimes where they're like, I don't fucking like the North Side. This uh, is a weird joint. Yeah. But, I mean, I knew a guy that got married and he, he, he met some flight attendant who was going to, uh, 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 to be a doctor. She was going to medical school at the time. And they now live, I think, in New York, you know, and he's retired from the fire department. Where do you, where do you meet Mike? I met Mike. Social Distortion is playing at a bar called CODs. CODs stood for Come On Down. And it was a below grade, here's the bureau stuff, below grade assembly downstairs. And it was on Devon, just west of Broadway. Okay. So when I when I roll up. I mean, I've got this little 260Z that I had bought. I'm not even on the fire department yet. I'm still managing Marina City. And I got on that the, you know, the next year in 80. I'm waiting to get on. So you're going to this bar as a customer? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and I knew guys that worked there, you know, dormant and stuff. Sure. So it's it's uh social distortion, stiff little fingers, um you know, there was a, a lineup of, of bands. Right. There was a couple of Chicago bands that were friends of mine, Naked Ray Gun. Uh, the Effigies might have been on that ticket. Those were all friends of mine. And 
of course, social distortions, you know, head, you know, headline in the thing. And um, so I pull up and I park, you know, and then the city was different back then, 19, I mean, you could find parking, you know, right. and, and um, Mike Ness was out there and, and he wanted to bring something in. And so I gave him a hand carrying down that 412 Marshall cabinet and then... Mike Ness was doing this himself. Yeah, they didn't have a road. They didn't have a roadies or nothing back then. And he had makeup on. He had like you know, black or purple hair or something. And that's my first introduction to him. And you know, he was like, "Hey, man, thank you so much for helping this and that." Well, their bus broke down, and they were stuck there. So I called. Um, my friend was the head mechanic. He now owns Sun Auto on Belmont and, and, and Damon and Hugo. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. And he was the head mechanic, uh, for this guy named San Boone, who was a, um, a Filipino guy that owned the shell station at Addison and Halstead right across from town hall police station. And they showed up with a tow truck. They did something and they got the, they got the, the bus. There's a documentary on, on that tour that they did, where they were in that school bus. They drove that school bus from Orange County. They went everywhere with it. And um, Another State of Mind is the documentary. And that's a social distortion song, as you know. Well, we had kept in touch kind of here and there, and I'd seen them at some shows. And then when we really hit it off was... He was doing his private stuff, you know, nice private stuff, his solo stuff. And I'm running security at Park West. And he shows up and um, he's looking at me. We're looking, you know, we look different. You know, this is many years later. And this is in the 90s now, or, you know, early 90s at Park West. So I I said to him, he goes, oh, my God, you're the guy. He goes, you're, you help me, this and that. So... We hit it That's off. That's crazy. He remembered you. Oh, yeah. And I remembered him. And um, so, you know, he, you know, there was no, we didn't have any cell phones in those early 90s. You know, I didn't have nothing. Nobody did. And uh, so they played at a couple places. Then they, you know, House of Blues opened. And um, he was at House of Blues. And I showed up. And I'm in my fire department thing. I'm in the bureau. And he looks at me and I go, you remember me, Rick Vega from Park? He goes, oh, my God, you're here. You know, this and that. We hit it off. And I got a phone now. He's got a phone. Well, he puts me on the guest list. You know, it was a Friday night. They were they sold out the House of Blues Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I'm back at the bureau on Monday, you know. Um and, oh, my God, that's what started the whole thing. And I'm still working Park West, and I'm still working for Jim. And um, that's how it went down. So I went out, <laughs> you know, he, he hooked me up with a bunch of merch, and I go, no, no, I don't need all this stuff. No, no, no. So anyway, Something happened with one of his security guys, and I knew all the security at par at uh, House of Blues. And they're like, "Is Ricky Vega your 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 personal security?" He goes, "Oh no, we're friends." He goes, "But I," and he and he goes, "You know, he works for Jam, and he's a hell of a guy. He's worked 
the Rolling Stones. He's worked all sorts of, you know, I've worked pretty much everybody, all through Fred Duggerberg and, and everybody else. And um, I just kept doing it. And when Fred started Duggerberg Academy, I took a spot over running, you know, and then when um, uh, Bob left Park West, um, he said, I would like Ricky Vega to run security here. I mean, I've known him since he was a, a kid in high school. And um, Bob Lato, and, and Bob Lato was the security head back then. And he goes, and of course I knew Jerry and, and, and Jerry Michelson. So, so Mike initially ha had you as his security guy. That's how you get, that's well, what started your relationship. Kind of, kind of. Um, but that night, one of his guys got sick or didn't show up or left or something. They ran trouble with him, I think. And so they said, is he your security? Because he, he could do that. I mean, he runs this like nobody's business, you know? So I did it, and his tour manager, at the end of the, at the, end of the three days at House of Blues, goes, you need to hire him. I mean, we need to get this guy on the road with us. And, um, you know, we did Nancy Sinatra at Park West once, and she wanted me to go on the road. Her husband was her uh, tour manager. And I got pictures I'll show you at the end of this whole thing because I got my phone off so it didn't ring or nothing. And um, we appreciate that. I uh, tell you, you know, <laughs> but she's like, you know, I go, well, you want to call Mayor Daly? Because, I mean, <laughs> I can't, I'm in the firehouse tomorrow, you know? I can't do this. So, but. Social Distortion was going to do a world tour um, like last year or the year before, but COVID hit. Right. And I, I was kind of expecting a call from him, you know, not saying it was going to happen. Right. You know, and that would have been another scenario, you know, how am I going to leave? And um, But they're doing a world tour. They were going to Spain. They were going everywhere. Man. Well, I, I want to go back because this is how the world lines everything up. I had told you, you know, I saw you at Social Distortion and my son, I think maybe been like five, six years old. Yeah. And I told you my son loves Social Distortion. Yeah. He would listen to it on the computer and just mm -hmm. play over and over. He used to uh, listen to uh, Footprints on the Ceiling sure. all the time. Yeah, I remember you told me yeah. that. <laughs> I was like, that's his favorite song. And you're like, oh. And you said to me, hey, I'm with Mike. Yeah. Um, and I was with him that day. Right. Well, you said, bring you... When you see me next time, bring your little guy over and we'll get a picture with him. And I was like, thank you, Lieutenant. I appreciate it. And uh, you, you, had, you had done your stuff and you, you had walked out. And I'm thinking to myself, when am I ever going to see this guy again? <laughs> when is it going to be when I have my son? Right. And, you know, I'm like, I was like, that's amazing. If I see him, I'm definitely going over there right, and I'm right. definitely going to say something. So... Uh, what's Riot Fest like? April, May, or something like that. Well, we get to the spring. Like I'm September, a, October. Oh, is it? Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, I had a friend right. of mine with me, and he was a fireman. Oh, in yeah. Deer, yeah. He was a fireman paramedic in Deerfield, and he knew that what, I that, knew that, him, that, and he that, wanted to come with that. That was the guy that was with me. Oh, okay. And Mike. Well, so I get the detail on the bike team, and I'm I happen to be working the day that Social Distortion is going to come on. Yeah. And. Of course, I wanted to see him. So we're backstage uh, hanging out and patrolling backstage. Wink, oh, wink. Right. And I had just talked my son's mother into bringing Jax to Riot Fest. You know, I was like, yeah, you know, bring him. He, he fucking loves music. Right. And he's a little guy. And 
social source is going to come out. I'm like, hey, come over here by the side of the fence. You know, there's nobody over here. You can see. It'll be great. And right when they get to the fence, who's comes walking by in front of me. I remember I'm bringing them on but, stage, yeah. But, yeah, but but Rick and Mike Ness and like a handful of other people, and Rick sees me, doesn't say hi, doesn't say anything, he goes, where's your boy? Oh. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. I go, he's right over there. So I, he's like, go grab him, let's take this picture. I'm like, okay. So I go over to the fence, I'm like, toss Jacks over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> he He's needed backstage right now. Yeah. I'm like... They want to take a picture with Mike Ness. So shirt up, Jack gets launched over the fence. Yeah. You know, I grab him and I was like, here he is. And I posted that picture on our social That's media. That's an awesome picture. And, you know, you you being in the martial arts, you know, and Mike is is in the boxing and he's, you know, he's got that picture where he crouches right. down by your son and, and, they, and they get their arms up like, you know, hey, they're, yeah. they're ready to box, you know. It, it was... Things couldn't have lined up more perfectly for that day. And I am internally grateful to you. And that, that picture is in his room, framed in his room. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, hey. things do work out. Yeah, it's funny how things happen. It's just wonderful. Well, uh, let's... Corey, I, I don't know if you want to do this now. Well, let's take a quick break. Yeah, let's take a, take quick, a quick break. break. And we'll be right back. For, was this, part three? <laughs> Probably. Part three. This episode of Chicago's Bravest Stories is brought to you by Sports and Ortho. Today we have Dahlia from Sports and Ortho. Hi, Dahlia. Hey, Vince. How are you doing? Welcome back. It's been a while. We wanted to talk about a couple things here before we get started on the podcast. Number one, uh, you have a new location. We do. We have our Saganash location. So all you Northsiders, you have a new place for rehab and ortho. There are eight locations across the Chicagoland area. So if you go to sportsandortho.net, you can find your location that's close to you. And one of the other things, speaking of locations, if you're a city employee and you get hurt, you have the option to request sports and ortho when you're being assigned some physical therapy, right? Yeah, absolutely. We can always choose us. We're on the city plan. So, um, you know, if you want to come to us, we are happy to see you. Yeah, you're not you're not locked into whoever they send you to. You can always make a request to go to a better facility if you'd like. And Sports and Ortho is a good alternative. I press well, the button. Vince, Listen, Vince is very I good pressed, about cutting things out, so I, they'll I, never <laughs> make that. <laughs> Companies on the streets. You want to edit this? No, that's what you I'm saying. You'll definitely forget to, <laughs> to edit I'll, I'll be in the studio for All right, one. well, as you can tell, we're back. Hey. A couple and, of us uh, are a couple deep. Yeah, we're, I mean, this is... Yeah, this is guy. This is four hours. Yeah. We're, we're we're logging in some time. Yeah, Vince, Vince is in his Vince oh, is in his mid fifties and he's on his second Monster Energy drink. So Corey, please please pay attention if he becomes pale, cool, and diaphoretic <laughs> at any moment. We we, well, we still had coffee at the table. We had breakfast when, when we first showed up here. Well, I wanted because one of the most important things about the story we completely forgot about. So before we have. Two things that we definitely want to get to, right. but I, Rick, you have to take us back. Stay focused. Stay with me <laughs> because I want to find out 
how that connection when you found out that Eddie Royal was the one who brought you down? Because you you had said in an interview that once you guys started putting the pieces together, that the hair on your arm started standing up because you right. started to realize that, <clears throat> hey, this is the guy that brought me down. Correct. Okay, so, we're going to stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was on truck six, and the captain of truck six, uh, excuse me, the captain of uh, 13 South um, was retiring, and he wanted to have a memorial for uh, the fireman that died in 1976 there. And he got a sculpture. Uh, the guy did a bronze a sculpture of this guy's fire coat. Um, and I, he died in 1976, and he had a young daughter. And, um, and I thought that was incredible that he did this thing. And, and that was his wishes before he retired on the department. And um, so I had just gotten truck 44 and got the spot, okay? And I was downtown for a few years, but I wanted to get back. You know, and in hindsight, I would have, in hindsight, I would have probably gone on a squad. I should have gone on a squad um, just because of the camaraderie. And sometimes you can't pick, you can't pick your guys. You know, in my last years there, and I don't want to get negative on, on, on truck 44. Um, you know, there were some guys that really didn't care for me, but you can't, you can't pick, pick and choose. Right. You can't fire. Um, yeah, you could drill them to death. You could do whatever, but you know, what does that do? You're part of it. And, uh, I really didn't care. And I remember Kevin Krasnick saying to me, you know, and I know you feel this way, Ricky Vega, he goes, but, uh, where I come from, the dog wags the tail, the tail doesn't wag the dog. And I had them all in my office, and I had to come out like the the hard guy, which isn't what I want to do. I mean, do anything for my guys and, and safety, like Frank Cambry, I went to his last day. I mean, he even told WGN, he goes, my whole purpose was to keep these guys safe. And Frank was a great fireman. So where was this memorial? At Engine 13? Engine 13 South. Okay. Okay. So and, anyway. And Eddie's there. No. No. No, Eddie's not there. Okay. So, this girl from the Tribune, um, and, and she worked with John Cass, she said, oh, my God, this is such a feel-good story that they did this thing, and um, the, the captain that's retiring wanted this. What an honorable thing to do. And we need more feel-good stories during these times. And so they said, yeah. And he goes, you know, there's a guy named Ricky Vega who is going back to his firehouse that he started on, and he was rescued by a fireman at that firehouse. And he's going back to that house. He got to be the, he got enough seniority now, and there was a spot for a lieutenant. And he's going over there. And she's like, what? So they investigated, and she tried to talk to me. And um, I said, well, we can't talk to the media. We have a media affairs department, and you'd have to contact them. We're, we're familiar with them. So, okay. So, uh, I'm sure you guys are. Nothing bad. So, nothing bad. Nothing bad. <laughs> so, I remember getting a, a phone call, and, you know, the fire commissioner called me and said, we want to do this story. You know, we want to do this story. So, the guy in charge of media affairs at the time, um, 
you know, says we're going to roll with this story. You know, and it's it's funny how you've got an unlisted number, you've got a number that's not, and I, you know, I'm sitting in a coffee shop on Broadway and I get a phone call and I answer it and it was somebody from ABC News. And how'd, how'd they get my number? You know, <laughs> it's just wild how they, right. they can get, they get a hold of stuff. But anyway, um, WGN got the story, you know, and Pam Grimes was the producer and Steve Sanders was going to do it. So how I found out, how we found out was just prior to this, between me leaving truck six and me getting the spot on truck 44, we were at a funeral and um, Ray Bishke was there and I had just gotten this, I have gotten the spot and he says to me at a, at a funeral, we were at a wake and he says, Ricky, you, you were rescued as a fire at a fire as a little boy, correct? And I go, yeah. And he goes, do you even remember what year that was and, and, and where? And I go, yeah, I got a good memory. I go, it was November 15th, 1963. And we lived at 547 Melrose. We had just gotten here. My family had just gotten here from Cuba about a year before. And, and I told them what, you know, what it had happened. And so, okay. So a, a little bit goes by, I can't tell you how much time. And then all of a sudden, I, I get a phone call and, you know, it was on a, on a, on a front, you know, front phone. And he's like, uh, Ricky, it's uh, Ray Bishke. And he's retired now, you know? And he's like, let me ask you something. He goes, cause I was the captain of truck 44 then. Were you on the first floor or were you up on the third floor with an old man? And I go, well, my old, that old man was my grandfather, and I was on the third floor. And he goes, I rescued the kids on the first floor. It was a little Mexican family that lived there. And they sent them to Mercy Hospital, because Mercy Hospital had a hyperbaric chamber. And wow. they had so much CO in them that... They off-gassed them like if a diver has the bends with nitrogen. Right. And they put them in this, you know. Hyperbaric, yeah. Yeah, and off-gassed them, you know, off. So you know who got you and your grandfather? And I go, no. And he That's goes. That's kind of why we're talking right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was Eddie Groya. I go, you're kidding me. And I was like, what? Had you met him prior to that? Oh, yeah. I got. I mean, Eddie was, I got a chance to work with Eddie Groya um, for about a year and maybe a little less than a year. So when and you guys he worked retired. together, though, you didn't know that he was no, the guy. And, no, the and Eddie had no clue it was me. <laughs> right. And then I'm thinking to myself, because that's when the ball started rolling with WGN wanting to do this story. Mike Cass, or excuse me, John Cass came out with a story in uh in in the tribune did his whole column i'll send you a picture of that um about you know the thing and i'm like whoa whoa, whoa. i go don't do the story on me <laughs> i mean do the story on him and i go that guy i believe was a world war ii vet he's not going to talk those guys don't talk about nothing right. you know it was like rudy schleck we pulled an incredible amount of rescues back then but ah that's just part of your job yeah. you know you know they didn't you know and i get it and uh, I just shut up and did what, you know, what they said. But um, that's how and who found out. 
And we were, like I said, we were at a funeral. And he says, because I was the captain of Truck 44. So they're, they're putting And I pieces. worked with his son on Truck 21. At, at what point did you go and pull the journal from that day? Because um, that really would solidify who was there, what, you know, on the date, and who right. showed up at that fire. Right. Well, and I can't mention who it is and who has it, um, but they showed me the journal, and this person's retired, and here's the fire. On, and I got on my phone, which I've got off again because we're recording, um, uh, uh, the sheet. The sheet from the, the journal know, entry. Yeah, and and not only that, um, WGN sent me a copy of the newspaper. Uh, I've got it on the print. Clipping of it? Yeah, that wow. you know these kids were rescued at five forty-seven Melrose, and the fact that all of them fifty-five. I mean, everything was a extra alarm back then, you know, and um, they they were at a fire. It was a two eleven at Clark in, in school. I think it's crazy that you worked with Eddie. Yeah, and you guys are working side by side. And, and he had not no knowing, idea. Yeah, he had no idea. And I said, I, I was to say, when did you actually confront him? Or am I getting ahead of? Things. Well, Did WGN confront confronted him? him. Pam Grimes. He didn't know before. No, he was she retired. Said I didn't have. Yeah, his he number. was already off the job. Oh, he was already off the job. They, they, okay. br they brought him back to do the interview. And, oh, and I said, and I had said to Pam, I go, and the media affairs chief was there. You know, we talked and stuff. And I said, don't do the story on me. Right. I mean, do it yeah. on him. But I doubt if he's even going to talk to you because those World War II guys, man, right. they were just so. Remember this incredible thing so you did what, this day, this what, day, this day? What was I, it I like when, because they didn't really, they, they left it ambiguous when they brought him in. They didn't want to like ruin the surprise. They wanted to have it on film that. Correct. So what was that like when you guys finally realized? Well, I had the journal and he came in and they're filming and I was stunned that he said, yeah, I want to do it. And his whole family goes, oh yeah, the, the community wanted to do it and he called and me where, up where did this take place that where they filmed you at guys 55 together? South. at 55 yeah. South? okay yeah and my captain was Stefan you know Pat Stefan and when they did it and he was on the second platoon you know and I was a lieutenant there and actually I was so close to making captain then that um Pat said to me I'll stay you know a, a, another year to get you to put in the truck 44 so it really goes full circle you uh -huh. know and you know you know how it is things and i don't want to get off track here but timing is everything on this job some guys got promoted boop, 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 you know and got to hit them and then some guys were only able to take a couple exams in their whole career right and then you know we had a a commissioner that you know for whatever reason there was no promotions during his his time right and so you you and eddie are in the firehouse to yes. do this wgn is filming you they have the, you in. have the you have the journal correct and you and Eddie, you you and eddie are kind of going through the journal and you're asking him if he remembers yeah this and stuff. i said here look i've got and he hadn't seen that journal since sure 1963 right so i said here's the journal november 15th 1963 here's who's working eddie groya is on watch. He had first watch that night. Wow. And then they cut to the thing. And then um, and then we start talking and they were asking him, uh, he goes, no, I remember. 
And I remember getting you and 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 and, and your old man, which was your grandfather. And well, he, he, goes, he was just saying, I remember the little. I remember a little guy and a yes, grandfather. Yeah. And then you replied, "That, that was, was me." My, yeah, that was me. And I remember <laughs> getting grabbed. And he goes, "Yeah, that was me." Yeah. When he said that, and then he had said. You know, I don't think he was talking to me at the time, but they were filming him there. And he said, I remember this and I brought him down. And when I brought the little guy down, I said to the little guy, you tell your grandfather or your dad at first, he said, and then he corrected it to your grandfather that you help rescue your grandfather You and, and you held his hand. Kind of like, you know, what a great guy that, that trying not to take the credit. Yeah, right. But trying to throw the credit at me, you know, as a little boy, you know, the, the little six-year-old that, that got him down. And this is Eddie's back-to-back extra alarm fire that, right. that he's done. Right. Yeah. And I mean, those guys were incredible, but, you know, I spoke to his wife when Eddie died, because he died um, not quite a year after that filming. And it was Eddie's wishes, according to his family, that they didn't want he didn't want to uh, uh, okay. awake this and that. He wanted them to save your money, you know. And that's how that generation was. Yeah, absolutely. And I said to them because I got the phone call from the hospital, and I was how ironic that I was at the firehouse working that day, and it, it was like three in the morning, and I'm in bed, and they knock on my the door on, on the officer door, and um, I think it was Baron uh, who said. Hey Rick, he goes. Uh, it's the Groya family. They're on. They're on the front phone, and I, he goes. I think. I think Eddie. Ed, Eddie Groya just passed, and I was the first person they called because I had talked to him earlier, and I had said, you know, I'm I'm working today. Um, I talked to his daughter, and um, I said he was at home like a hospice thing, and I don't know if they went to the hospital or whatever after that. The ambulance must have took him. And I had said, you know, we cried a bit here. And um, I said to his daughter, I go, if you would do me the honor, um, I said that uh, if you're going to have a wake, I go, please allow me to stand honor guard at his side. He was there for me in the beginning. He paid it forward, and I'd like to pay it back. And they were crying. I could hear them crying on the phone, the daughter, the mom. And um, sure enough, I got a phone call. I don't know if it was the next day or the day after. And they said, we're going to have a wake. And um, we'd be honored he would be honored if you did that. So when I showed up in my dress uniform um, to the funeral home, um, they looked at me and they were they had come in and there was like a group with the family and they were like in a circle talking and they said, come here, you're part of this. And his wife said, Eddie didn't want to wake and we weren't going to have a wake. But after you said that, right after he died, and um, we were at his side when he died. Um, we're going to have a wake. And then I told her, you're going to see the wake is 
for you, but the wake is for all his friends and the co-workers. It's not for him. Right. But you're going to see how important this wake, the wake will be for you guys. Yeah. And how important he is to us. Exactly. To us and, and to his friends, his family. And they said, we're having this wake because of you. So I was like, you know, oh, no, I don't know if that's a good thing or, you know. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, I got so many people that came up, and at the end of the wake, um, they all came came up and said, we are so happy we had this wake. And I know he was here looking down on us, you know. You know, and I didn't, I didn't want to say, I hope he's not pissed, you know, <laughs> at Ricky Vega, you know. But, um, and that's how it went down. But uh, that's, uh, I did that with Rudy Schlecht uh, in, in when he died this year. Well, the... With the interview and the newspaper articles, they left that part out. You didn't really get a clear understanding on how that meetup came to be, where you guys actually figured out. You know, they they alluded to the fact well, you that know, a captain yeah, put it together, Ray but he had been had died. You know, yeah, uh, you right. know, he was gone. But the important part of the story was that, you know, you guys worked together. You didn't even know that you were rescued by the guy that you're working with. And that whole part where you guys are learning, well, Eddie's learning that you were the kid that he remembered bringing down. Right. They left and how that- he remembered that, I, you know, because there were times when he would call me and say, well, what do you want me to say? Yeah. And, and, and then Pam Grimes would call me and say, I don't know if he remembers. He kind of does, but he doesn't, you know. <laughs> I mean, he was up in age. You know, he was in his 80s. And late 80s, I believe. Um, And I don't know if the journal bringing back, you know, me showing him that or, you know, I don't know. But he he finally remembered. And then Pam had called me and he wants to do it. And you know what? He remembers. He's starting to remember. You know, it was kind of like when you, you know, we were talking about Krasnick and, you know, when he had that church fire at Holy Name Cathedral. And I mean, if, if if there was somebody else there leading that program, <laughs> that fire, you know, like yeah. I said, there'd be a banana republic there, yeah. you yeah. know, but he's such a leader in the crew that he had. But then we realized when, when you said to me, you know, the church that we're talking about, and right. that was a different church where he raided, he waited for truck 44 and us to come. But Dan Gillespie was the battalion chief there at that fire. But uh, Kraz, I don't know if he was the DDC or what, and... We don't usually win in churches, you know. And Santiago was uh, the uh, commissioner. That, that's, that statement that you just made, we don't usually win in churches. Right. That Kraz texted us or Facebook messaged us that exact. That's incredible. You know. That exact I, phrase. One of the first church fires I went to was on the west side. And um, I had only had a few years on the job. And we took in Larry Biazzi was our our chief, excuse me, our uh, battalion chief, but no, uh, officer, he should have been a chief. His dad was a chief, but he was on truck 21 as a lieutenant and it killed uh, that fireman where the roof collapsed. And we were at that fire all night. The one from 107? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Calvin. And I believe Kevin Krasnick worked with him. Um, and Kevin might have been on on Squad One at the time, uh, I believe. I may I may be wrong, but have you heard the the Kelvin Anderson was his name, and we were at that fire all night, and uh, we don't that win. That was at, at the old one hundred and seven's house. 
because now 107. Yeah, it was like Waller and. Yeah, because 107 is now at California and, and Roosevelt. It was the old 107 yes. where it happened. Yeah. Did, have you, I only bring that up because. And Kevin was on squad one because they jumped out of those windows on, on, on Waller, I believe, was across street. And, uh, but have you heard the story about the handprint? on the windows that people can't wash off and they're saying that it's Kelvin's handprint that he was washing windows no. prior to going to that fire. At the house? At the firehouse? At the old firehouse. Well, it was kind of, I mean, the rumor is still there, and I don't want to say rumor, but Nielsen was at that house as well during that time where Kelvin uh, passed away. Mm. And the rumor is that he was doing windows and he had a handprint on one of the windows and nobody's been able to get rid of that hamper. They'll get rid of the hamper, but the hamper will keep coming back. And they're saying that that was Calvin's hamper. Does somebody have that window? Because it's a different... Well, that <coughs> firehouse now doesn't exist because they broke it down, so... Nobody took that window? No. I'm surprised, man. So that, that's just one of those... I don't know if it's a CFD urban myth, but that was something I heard when, mm. when I got over to that okay. new Neil's, firehouse. Mark, and, uh, Mark came on... I don't know if he was a paramedic or... He was an engineer He was an time. engineer. Yeah. And I don't know when he came on. He might have come around around... I came on. Mitch Crooker uh, had come on like uh, a handful of months after me. He was... Uh, and he and I, you know, worked at the health clubs and power lifted together. But Mitch was right around that time too. Well, but why, I never why, heard that story. No? Still gives me the chills. Well, yeah. Yeah. Because his, his picture is hanging in. They have a little monument to him at, at 107's house. Oh, wow. That's, that's uh, incredible. But while we're talking about those big fires, I want to take you back to 84 and talk about the fire at Irving and Kenmore. Yeah. Because that, that was as I was big work- a fire as you, you've had. Yeah. I was working off shift. I was working for somebody, and um, I was on uh, Truck 21. And it was, I don't know if it was 84, it was... In the eighties, but we had a fire at we had a fire at um, Kenmore and Irving Park, and it was a Sunday, I believe. And the fire was an arson job, and the father had a family there, and it was similar to like a Sunday fire that we had on on Dakin, the nine hundred block of Dakin, when all those people died. Um, Here, before, before you get it, do you, do you mind ice these guys? So we started at noon, and now we're already into the whiskey what, time. What is it, like 9 o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, you, you, you want ice? Huh? You want ice? Sure. It is definitely whiskey time. Okay. okay. Whiskey o'clock. You know me, man. I'm a lightweight. Anybody? You want Ricky, ice? Da- Ricky walked into oh, the podcast. Yeah. He's like, he, he saw the bar. He's like, I forget where my pickup guys, truck guys, is. Guys, I'm a lightweight. Oh, you can find parking all over the place. I'm parked who knows where. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, so. Vince definitely lied to you about that. <laughs> no, he did. Did you tell him that? Did you tell him there was available parking at on the podcast Saturday, studio? On a, on a Saturday? Yeah, there's always parking No, uh, the Cubs are running a hitting camp across the street, <laughs> and then they're stealing people's cars. MLB is on the verge. It, it perfectly explains the Cubs. MLB is on the verge of a fucking strike. <laughs> yeah, <but they're, laughs> yeah, you know what? Let's do a hitting camp right now. All right. All right. Let's get back. Okay, uh, that fire, uh, like I said, I was off shift, and I 
I remember there was a shot in the. Uh, Are you a lieutenant or a no, fireman? No, no, no. I'm a this, fireman. This everything you could. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, this was in the '80s. I'm a fireman on truck 21, and um, oh yeah, you only had like knew. two, yeah, three like years two, on yeah, that. Yeah, because I yeah. came on, you know, in '83. Um, so we get this rock and fire, and we're either second truck. You know, I mean, if truck 22 was out, they should have been first truck there. Um, they might have been, and. Um, what did you see when you got off the rig? Back porches rolling, right up, uh, butted up against the, uh, you know, Kenmore is just west of Sheridan Road there, Sheffield there. You know, Sheridan, it turns into Sheridan, right? Sheridan is like Wacker. It goes east, east, west, north, south. And um, rolling, you know, we got off and what's we get the, in what's there. The, and what's the building at? frame yeah uh, no no it was a uh three-story ordinary okay buttered up against the l train there okay and um the only people that <laughs> that that survived out of that family somebody had torched the building um the it's, only person right that's by the grave the graveyard right yeah east of the graveyard yeah east of uh whatever that is are you going to the rough or what do they got you doing um no uh well i i would have been going to the roof but they we went in and, and people were handing kids. Out. Oh, so you're like they're yeah. there. I mean, there's a shot and and I've got a picture of it and it shows us on the street and it shows Steve Barbgartner and it shows Steve Brady, uh, Charlie Brady's son, who was on truck 44 at the time, carrying out these kids, you know, and the in, the corner, the intersection of Irving and Kenmore, we were all on the streets giving CPRs, CPR to little kids. And the wife. The only people that survived was the father and one of the kids. And they had gone uh, to a little bakery. There was this little Pan-American bakery on uh, Sheridan Road between Dakin and um, uh, what is that street there? Grace, I believe. So you showed, and pe- you showed up and people were already being Taken yeah, out I mean, of this building yeah. prior to you somebody guys had to, you know, somebody had the aerial to the roof to rope and a roof. I mean, this was a rock and fire. We were there for hours, you know, and uh, but to this day, whenever I drive and I live in a neighborhood there, to this day, when I mean, whenever, ever, ever, I mean, I drive by, that pops into my mind. That pops. How, how and and Baumgartner was such a great paramedic. I mean, I all those firemen. You know, I'm nothing. I mean, I'm you know, I was got three years on the job or something. Four years on the job, maybe. I don't even think it was that. Um, so I, I just started CPR with them, you know. And, um, yeah, the kids were burned. The, I mean, it, it was horrific, man. I mean, you know, the soot. You, we've seen it. We've all seen this. You know, it was just incredible. But uh, I don't know, man. I mean, the, th- the 37 years I did, and believe me, I wanted to do more. You know, I wanted to make captain. I wanted to make chief. Um Different administration, different mayor, different whatever. It would have been a different scenario. But, you know, I believe God's got a plan. And like I said, guys come back from the war with no legs, um, no arms. Um, I got nothing to complain about. And I'm grateful and thankful to have worked with all those guys that I mentioned. And thank you guys, because this wouldn't be complete without me talking uh uh and bringing these guys well, names up let's just make sure that you got everything on your paper that you wanted to get out and or, or uh, to our a name that you needed a name because 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, working with my first officer, Rudy Schlecht, um, Ray Bischke, who was the chief of the ninth, you know, Eddie Duffy, who was my captain on Truck 44, uh, John Just Rowling, make sure we didn't mi- we didn't miss my anybody. officer. I mean, Louis Blatt's at 83's house. Rudy Steigerwald. I mean, Dick Bastian, Jerry Walsh. That I was on the roof with those guys um, countless times, where I just shut up and and just listened to what they said to me. George Lynch, who was the lieutenant of fifty five, you know, and later on became the DDC. You know, Andy and Eddie Schubert, Charlie Brady, Ed Ducey, Cortez Holland, which, like I said earlier, you know, Second District had a list of divers and drivers, and. When he was the captain and, and, and my mentor, Bob Hoff, which I can't say enough about, and his brother Ray, you know, would get me to go there for furloughs. And, 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 and I was grateful to work with all those guys, Kenny Anolowski, Kevin Casey, John Edwards. And, you know, I just went to Frank Cambria's last day. And, I mean, I learned so much from Frank and his whole work ethic. Um, Jimmy O'Donnell, Bill Duffy, you know, who was – and his father was my captain, Mike Lobianco, you know, who was on squad two. And then, you know, he was out in the 18th Battalion when it was out south. You know, Ray Orozco, Kenny Watecki, Steve Chikorotis, Mike Fox. And there's not enough time to mention all these other guys, but I wouldn't be comfortable sitting here. And you can see it took me a few years to get here. Um <laughs> And I got to say, too, you know, and, you and I took a lot of... You, rip- you weren't ready to come here. No, you know, I mean, I had a, I didn't want to leave, and I wasn't ready to talk about something, and... and I, yeah, but... You know, I mean, I'm nothing compared and to we're, these guys. We're very grateful that you're in a good place now, and yeah. that you're able to talk about it. And well, here's that the thing. being said, yeah. we're going to let Corey... Well, and this, listen... Rick, this ain't the Golden Globes. We ain't done yet. So <laughs> we got a couple more things to hit you on. Uh, real quick, I, obviously, I've got I've got my thing. But okay. um, I do want to talk to you. You had mentioned or alluded to it earlier about um, how you got brought to Truck 6. Can yeah. you talk about that just for a minute? Yeah. Um, truck 6, I'd never heard about it. You yeah. know, And Truck 6, of course, was taken out of service in the early 60s. It was downtown. Okay. Um, and um, that's and that got yeah, because Thirteen's house was on Dearborn. So um, so where are you at when uh, are you already promoted at that time? Or, when um, when uh, when you get uh, coaxed into working truck six? Yes, he's I got promoted. Out, I came out of, out of the bureau. Okay, cool. out of so you're coming and, out of the bureau. You've yeah. done your time there. Yeah, and you're trying to find a permanent and, assignment. And, yeah, Bob Hoff. Well, I wanted to go back to Truck 44, but that didn't happen. Yeah. And the guys from Truck 22 had said, "Put in for a year." And um, so you're trying to get back home. Right? Well, no, Truck 22 was north of me, but I, I I would have loved to have worked at 83 South. You know, I mean, all, all those guys were tremendous. Yeah, and. Um, Gibbons, who was the captain there, said, I want you to put in. There was an opening, I think, on the first shift or something. But there was a guy named Joya, um, and I believe his wife was a paramedic chief. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he had more time on than me, and you know how that works. It's seniority, and and he got the spot, you know. I mean, that's what we fought for in the union, yeah. seniority, and otherwise the city would have taken that as well. Um, so I had no qualms about that, and it's not my time. Right. But trying to figure out yeah so um all of a sudden bob hoff showed up one day at the bureau and he said to me um i think i could say this you know 
um, you recruit guys. And I was grateful. And he said to me that he wanted me to stay down there, and he wanted me, he goes. Well, what happened? He shows up to the firehouse, and what happened? Yeah. He, uh, he showed up to the bureau. I mean, he's the oh, district right. chief, so okay. his office is up there. Oh, gotcha. And, and that, I was in Central, so my office was up there. And he pulled me into the office, and he said, Ricky, he goes, uh, there's a truck uh, that's going to be put at 13's house. Because they took truck 12 out of there. Mm. You know, and this is the house that was, I don't know when they put in the new 13's house, probably like 1980, maybe, 81, right in there. And, um, and I came on with Ford, Rich Ford. And I think Rich Ford had gone to that firehouse, you know, Rich, the commissioner. And Rich okay. was a great guy. Um, he was my classmate, you know, in 83. Um, but truck 12 was taken out of service. you got to remember that downtown at the time, you know, which shut down after, you know, there wasn't the amount of residential buildings down there. Right. You, know, you had Marina City, right. you had certain buildings. Right. And nowadays you have... Uh, well, now it's full on all... Right, the high-rise next door to Engine 13 has like 20,000 residents or some Correct. stupid Aqua. crazy... Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I mean, I was at that 135 South LaSalle fire. I mean, I tell you what, you couldn't get enough people showing up, you know? Yeah. And I was off shift there. That was a second platoon fire. Um, and I was on the third. And um, so he told me, Eddie Ryan from squad squad uh, five is coming to be the captain. Um, I'd like you to be the l lieutenant. And it ended up that, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, his his dad was, I just had a blank. I can tell I've been here for four hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm looking Drink at more. the whiskey. You'll feel better, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he was the other lieutenant. And um, so the, the future commissioner pretty much asked you, he made his ask. Yeah. He said, come on down. Yeah. I mean, I was at that fire when he got hurt. When he, I don't know if you were ever in his office. And oh, I mean, I'm just Steve. You know, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just fucking Ricky <laughs> Vega, you know. I'm you are the, you are but, the Ricky you know, Vega. You know, when I would go see him, and he, he, he had these pictures. He got burned. We were still truck at a fire, and this attic flashed on him, and we were up on that roof, opening that roof, and he got burned at this fire. And... That's why Bob Hoff was so, so adamant about safety and fireman safety and pushing the city to give us the correct, you know, we were the last largest department to go to turnout gear. Why is that? And, and we didn't get the, the best stuff. I, I, I believe that when we first started getting masks, yeah, we had those heavy metal MSA bottles where the regulator was on your hip. You had a corrugated hose and, and, and it was here and... Yeah, exactly. That was it. And I remember before, I think the best air packs we had during my 37 years were, were the Scott air packs that we got. They were light. You put them on and they went on the same way. The straps wouldn't turn. They wouldn't, they were light. You'd flip them, you put them on. They always worked. I never had a malfunction and they were great. Scott air packs. But like we know, and it's not a secret, Scott, you know. Scott Airpacks, we're looking for another sponsor. Yeah, Mr. Scott, if you're out there listening. Yeah, yeah we got Coca-Cola, <laughs> Scott Airpacks. <laughs> I'm retired now. R Ricky, um, I'm going to cut you a uh, finder's fee. <laughs> oh, my God. As Mauricio, you know, would say to me, that Ricky Vega, he's never seen a camera he didn't like. That's right. We're all about cameras and microphones around here. 50% so, uh, of the time they're out, they're functional. <laughs> I love all those guys, you know. But, um... What was the question? 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Well, Corey, um, Corey, Corey's going to I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to be selfish. Come on. Ricky, give me a babe or axe story. Just one. I might have been at this fire, and I might not have been at this fire. <laughs> um, but I do not recall uh. that a certain guy that might have been my lieutenant on Truck 44, um, they called him the Ox, and his brother was Babe. Hurling were their last names. So there, I just ratted him out. He's probably, he's probably going to give me a nightmare tonight. And um, No one listens to this. Yeah. Somehow, some way, I think... Uh, I think it was truck 28. Somebody got hit with a plastic flashlight. But I do not recall. <laughs> I think I was on the roof with John Hurley. All right, fair enough. I had to come down when there were, you know, I wasn't one of those fresh air checkers or somebody said, let them fucking pull the ceiling. We'll wait till they're really pulled and then we'll come down. I just didn't have that in me. No, we'll go Ooh. down. Let's go down. Is now. that what you guys called them back in the day? Fresh air checkers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, we had plenty of. Uh, I don't want to use squad makeup because, like I said, in hindsight, oh. I should have probably, I should have probably been on a squad, you know. But you know, I had history with that truck and truck forty four. And but looking back, I mean, you know, with the squad, you know, they have an interview. They kind of pick and choose who they get, and you know how it is, man. When you're busy, you come from a busy house, and or you go to incidents all the time. Those guys get along. They all get along, you know, and it's fun. And I loved being the times I got detailed to squad one or squad two and working with all those guys. And, and I knew Jim O'Donnell since before from Chicago health clubs when he, like I said earlier in this interview, he said, to well, me, you're going to help us get Jim O'Donnell you, on the podcast, right? Don't you come on now, Ricky, you know, meaning during the strike, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, and I said, no, no, I'm not coming on, you know, right. you're going to, you're going to get um, Jim O'Donnell on the podcast, right? For us. I may, yeah, I may. <laughs> Ricky, I love you. I may. All right, so, um, so before before we do this one, yeah, right. Ricky, you're gonna have to have a, a drink and a whiskey. Okay. Uh, cheers, Rick. Thanks for so coming. Cheers. Out. Hey, Thanks thank you guys, gentlemen. And hey, uh, Ricky, thank you so much for coming and telling your you story. Know, and like I say, you know, I'm grateful to everybody that I got a chance to work with, and and like my girlfriend said, don't be glad it's over. Be glad you got to do it. You know, and. Well, you and you're not. right. I mean, Tommy Tommy Garetti probably would is correct that if you called John John Garetti and me, we'd probably come on right now, come back <laughs> on, you know. But yeah. I don't know. I hear it's different. Well, we're not letting you out of here before Corey does yeah. his thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, thirty-seven I've, I've years. I got on my own. Corey. Little, yeah, I got my own little thing. Thirty-seven years complete. Thirty-seven. I thought it was thirty-two. Well, it's thirty-two, and I did my years, uh, uh, the four and a half years with uh, yeah. uh, my duty disability. Yeah, oh, Corey. right, right. Fuck but to tell right. you the truth, and and let me say one more thing: those were the worst years. I took, and it was self-inflicted, but I took the worst beating when I I realized that they're not letting me back. And I mean, I did the commercials for the department. Not saying that that's anything. Um, I spoke at CAPS meetings for Tom Tunney and. I spoke at high-rise uh, town hall meetings when we had a rash of high-rise fires in Lakeview. <laughs> but, so uh, I was going to say, um, so, so my thing is the, is the firehouse prank. So what's the best over the course of your entire career, best one you were involved in, best one maybe you heard about, best firehouse prank that you got, best ball buster you got there? Well, the best, <clears throat> the best ball buster I personally got was when I uh, did that thing with Eddie Groya and WGN had me on 
And uh, I made the comment um, where Steve Sanders says to me, well, here you are. How does that make you feel that after getting rescued, your grandfather and you, you being a little boy at six years old, I think I told him, like I said earlier, I was five, and a guy from this firehouse rescues you, you worked with him not knowing it was him who rescued you and he not knowing that it was you that he pulled your grandfather and you. And how does that make you feel? You come back here now as a lieutenant, you know, and I made the comment and I said, well, I go, you know, it means everything to me. I go, really? And then I made the comment, you cut me and I bleed truck 44. (laughs) And I know you and I have talked about it. You're on 68 and you said I'd bleed 68. That, you know, and that was all about company pride. But I had spoken to my friend. Yeah. Okay. The night before, and he's a USMC, he was in Fallujah. His dad, he grew up in Lakeview with me. He was a lot younger than me, and his dad was, you know, a Marine in Vietnam. Bad dudes. And Bad I remember him saying, Corey, he says, you know what? He goes, I'm going to watch that interview because WGN was showing, you know, previews of it. <laughs> and he said, you know what? You know, you would have been a great Marine because I told him I was going to go into the Marine Corps, right? you know, in 75, right yeah. after I graduated high school. But Vietnam had ended that May, the year I, I got out of there. And uh, my dad got ill. And I I mean, my mom wasn't real happy about me wanting to go to the Marines. Right. But, but it ended up working out me with the help of yeah. me becoming a fireman a few years after that yeah. and taking a test in 78. But he said, you cut me. He goes... I bleed. He goes, I get cut is the way he said it. And I bleed USMC. And when Steve Sanders said that to me, and you know how they, they, they filmed for a while. And I, you you know, I hadn't eaten. I think I had a protein shake like I did today (laughs) hours ago. Oh, that's how And uh, now you guys got me drinking whiskey. Oh yeah. And um, I forget where I parked my pickup truck. But um, so I just flat out said that. And I said, you know, that was a profound thing. But when I got to the firehouse. When I got to the firehouse, they had a bag up, you know, a saline bag that was red, and they had a a, a, a picture taped up of there of like skull and crossbones, and the, and the eyes were X's, uh-huh. and then it said type T forty four. So I'll say hitch bay. That well, was a good oh, one. Yeah, and it's funny because I'd go to. <laughs> parties or whatever and and they're like hey you're the guy that bleeds truck 44 but you know how <laughs> so firemen are you right. know yeah no you never get here the end you know jimmy lineham god bless him and and i stood on guard for him and he was my officer on truck 44 when we had that fire on dakin jimmy would say they see a crack in your armor oh they're going for yeah, it right absolutely so, the day you walk into the firehouse and nobody's busting your balls that's when you got to look yourself in the mirror. Oh yeah, and say, well, "Am I that guy? Am I that guy?" Right. right. Yeah. Because <laughs> if and you home. walk, if you walk in the door and you're like, "Hey, good morning," and they're like, "Hey, asshole," you're right. like, and oh, I know, "Okay, I'm good." And right. I know good. at the end there, I had a couple knuckleheads that didn't like him. You know, oh, he drills too much. Man. And I remember Frank Cambria used to say, "Hey, drill him." They don't like it; they can leave. C- Kevin Krasnick telling me, "Hey, where I come from." The dog wags the tail. The tail doesn't wag the dog. But I, you know, I'm not a hard nosed guy. I don't want to be that. I mean, you'd want me to be, I mean, we work together. I, you know, or the guys that would pull up on a scene. I got, I got this, I got that. Even as a chief, I wouldn't have said that. And I remember Bob Hoff saying, you know, we have this, we have the, you know, we have a two and a half story frame. 
you know, we got give, smoke showing. Give us a box. Yeah, give us a box. And and I learned that from Bob Hoff. It isn't me. Give me this. Give me that. Fuck that, you know? We're a team. And that's just good. how... I mean, and I always remembered that, so... That's good. Yeah. So... I bleed truck 44. <laughs> so famous last words, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Rick, we're going to leave those your last words, if that's all right. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll end with that. Thank you for this amazing amount of time. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. It's Thank been, you guys it's, for everything. It's been a pleasure having you in here after all these times. I, I was working on you, man. Yeah, you were. <laughs> and, and you know what? This, this is the best job in the world. And be, be if you're coming on now or you just came on, you got the best job in the world. And learn from it, take from it and give back to it. And, and like I always said, you know, leave the job better than you found it, you know, leave it better for the other guy. And, and that's all I got to say. And bleed truck 44. So, all right. It's a great way to put it, Rick. So buddy. Truck 44. We're available. We'll take that box in. Oh, Rick Vega. Like that <laughs> Chicago's bravest stories. Thanks again. The opinions and views are that of Chicago's bravest stories and their guests. They do not necessarily reflect the views of any municipal governments, fire protection districts, fire departments, EMS, or law enforcement organizations.